I think the worst thing about it was the uncertainty. Mm. Without a doubt, that was the worst thing. If, if someone had said at the outset, this is how it's going to play out. They're going to be going to be locked down this long, and then you're going to come out of lockdown. They're going to be locked down again, and this is how it's going to work over the next two years. Yeah, you can plan around it. Yeah, but when you when it's just kind of going on week after week after week, and then month mm. after month, and you're still locked down, and we've got you know the franchisees are looking for us for help and support, yeah. and and you just don't know. You're trying to guess. You're trying to predict what the moves are by the government, and you just couldn't. No, you and that was the thing that was, I would say, the most challenging was that uncertainty. Welcome to Push To Be More with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. This is a show that talks about the stuff that makes life work. And to help us do just that today, I'm chatting with Ricky Knight from Fitter Body Ladies about where he has had to push through what he does to recharge his batteries and to be, as well as, well, what does more look like? What does growth look like for Ricky? Now, the show notes and transcript <coughs> for my conversation will be available on our website, pushtobemore.com. And whilst you're there on our website, make sure you sign up for our newsletter, because each week we're going to email you the notes, the links, and any other bits of tidbits from the conversation. Uh, they go straight to your inbox, totally for free, uh, automatically. So sign up for that today if you haven't done so already. Now, this episode is brought to you by Orion Media, which helps entrepreneurs and business leaders set up and run their own successful podcast. Why on earth would you want to do that? Well, the answer is simple. In my humble opinion, it's probably the best marketing tool I have come across uh, by far. Uh, I have found running my own podcast to be really rewarding, opening doors like nothing I have seen. And I genuinely think if you're in business, think about having a podcast if you don't already have one, simply because it's had such a huge impact on my own business. Now, I appreciate this all sounds great in theory, but there are realities to this, Matt. And it's not as straightforward maybe as just saying have a podcast. Uh, and this is where Orion Media come in. They can help you develop your strategy, your starting strategy. Make sure you launch right. They can help you with all kinds of stuff like tech and production, because if you're like me, You'll love talking to people, but you won't be a big fan of all that other stuff. Oh, no. So Orion Media will take it off your plate, uh, which is fantastic. So if you're wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, and I think it probably is, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. And thank you for sponsoring the show, Orion Media. Uh, and let's talk about today's guests says here in the bio, get ready, hang on to your seats, everyone. Here's the story of a former finance whiz who traded in Hugo Boss uh, threads for a Nike tracksuit and became the dynamo finder of Fitter Bodies Ladies franchise. Starting amidst the buzz of the 2012 Lim uh, London Olympics, he's grown the franchises to 18 UK locations empowering the franchisees to skyrocket from zero to 10K monthly in under 180 days. With his eyes set on a thrilling 50 by 50 challenge, 50 locations by his 50th birthday, which in case you're wondering is 2026, uh, this fitness impresario is truly unstoppable. Ricky, great to have you on the show, man. What a bio, great to have you here, 50 by 50. How's that going? 
<laughs> thank you matt yeah thanks for inviting me on uh so far so good yeah we're on target admittedly uh covid did get did get in the way of things so um we were hoping it would be uh 50 by 48 but it didn't quite have the same ring to it so uh... <laughs> it definitely doesn't have the same ring to it 50 no. I, so you set the 50 by 50 goal before covid no no it was meant to be uh, it was actually meant to be 50 by the time the Qatar World Cup came along. Um, that was the original plan when it was set right. before COVID, 2019, 2018, something like that. And then COVID kind of got in the way of everything. And, um, yeah, we had to kind of just rethink things. So 50 by 50, actually, it, it's worked out fine. And uh, it, as I say, it does have a better ring to it. <laughs> <laughs> 50 by 50 i like it i, I think it's great uh, it's um it's 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 a fascinating idea so let me um we'll, st we'll get into the story in just a little minute here but i'm um, let's let's start the, the way we should start really uh if you had a podcast right because this show is sponsored by ori media the podcast agency and so i like to ask guests this question if you did have your own podcast and you could have anybody on the show from the past or the present, the only caveat being that they've had a big influence on your life. Who would you have as a guest on the show and why? Um, if, if I go back, we'll, we'll get into this in more detail in a second. I know when we're talking about the challenges, uh, but a critical time in my life was in between careers and when I was setting up the fitness business, I was absorbing uh, lots of information, lots of uh, books. And Michael E. Gerber, the author of the yes. E Myth, was uh, was was. It was one of those whereby I read the book, and you know, certain books you can read at different parts of your journey, and they mm. kind of hit in a different way. And that particular one, just before I was. Uh, about to set up the fitness business, it, it was just like this this penny dropping. It, it, everything kind of just seemed to make sense with regards to specifically the whole um, set up your business in a way as if you intend to sell it and um, set it up in a way as if you were going to be franchising it. In other words, make sure that you've got um, strong systems in place. Why is it that yeah. you can go in a McDonald's in the uk it'd be the same as a mcdonald's in america and like that big mac still tastes the same and and like he kind of highlights mcdonald's as being <laughs> like one of the kind of flagship examples yeah. of, of of this uh, particular method working and the reason why that hit home so much for me was i was about to enter a brand new industry starting at the very bottom but then it, I, it made me realize that the way to grow this business was to actually rather than set it up as if you were franchising it why not set it up to franchise it and so that was then um a big part of my plan uh was to then uh at right at the outset set it up as if we we're going to be franchising um and so our first franchise after five years but everything i mean it was one of those books that i just kept referring to every kind yeah. of six to twelve months just going back to it and just making sure I was on track. But then because I'd read that and absorbed it and then uh, sort of watched different webinars and everything, it was it was everything, everything, every decision I was making was in alignment with that specific goal then. Yeah. And so it just all became a lot 
easier. Not to say it was easy, but it just made sense. Yeah. Well, it's really fascinating. So the the book, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, is probably one of mm. those books that just about everybody in business has read. There's a few common books, aren't there, that most people have read at some point, How to Make Friends and Influence People, Michael Gerber's uh, E-Myth, you know. Um, and I remember reading that book for the first time myself uh, as a young entrepreneur and, and having sort of what can only be described as several light bulb moments uh and you yeah. do that that's that it's that kind of book isn't it where you read it and it just goes oh this makes sense this makes sense yeah. this makes sense and it seems to have been sort of some timeless advice what i've what i've found uh, uh ricky though is people read that book have a few good ideas and then a few months later it sort of seems to have been forgotten because everyday life seems to have taken over They've got back into the sort of the whirlwind of, as Michael Gerber would say, working in their business rather than on it. Yes. Um, so how have you how have you managed to not do that? How, I mean, it it, it seems like um, I don't know. Is that because of the critical decision you made at the start to set it up as a franchise? Um, I'm kind of curious what what has kept you in, involved uh, and, and made it such a pivotal part of your business. I think it was because I read it before setting up this particular business rather than having already set up the business mm. and i think you're right because it's not just that book it's lots of books i know plenty of books that i've read and it's kind of like oh, that, that's a good idea and then not actually implemented anything but this particular one because it was right at the beginning like i say every decision then was in alignment with um getting our business set up to be franchised so after about 12 months of being in business, I was then sitting down with franchise consultants and just trying to find out from them exactly what, you know, this is the business as it is right now, we're doing pretty well. What is it I need to have in place so that we're ready to franchise and how long do I need to give it? And some of them were kind of saying, oh, you can do it like pretty much straight away. But others were saying, you probably want to give it three to five years. And so uh, that, again, was something that we took on board and made sure that we, because the thing is with franchising, you've got to show that you've gone through the trials and tribulations, you've learned from mistakes, because someone else in, that is intending to start up, they don't have to go through and make those same mistakes. So we left it five years, even though it was always part of the plan to franchise. We didn't do our first one until five years of being in business and so yeah if, in answer to your question i think it's because it's just the timing of it because i read that particular book just before um actually opening the business uh, it was it was then every decision was in alignment with it and so i just think it was easier rather than kind of already being in business and then having to undo lots of stuff that we already had in place and then trying to get staff on board with this new strategy and didn't have any of that it was everything from day one was always with this intention why fitter body ladies why that business what what were you already in the fitness industry at the time or was that was it uh we having a midlife crisis I, i'm kind of curious you know what 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 was the reasoning behind that yeah it was closer to a midlife crisis than anything um so i've been in financial services since the age of 19 and so uh in 2008, that business folded, and then, and I'll, I'll come on to this in more detail in a sec. But, but there was still four years where I set up another financial services business because it was all I knew. And then, uh, in 2008, my 
uh, me and my wife, we had our second child. And my wife really struggled losing the weight, the baby weight, with the second child. Right. And it was, it was just frustrating for her, frustrating for me. Couldn't afford a personal trainer at the time. And the gym just wasn't working effectively because, you know, it's sort of self-motivating. You've got to know what you're doing and quite an intimidating place for her. So we were having this idea. We were chatting about it and just coming up with brainstorming, coming up with ideas. And it just seemed to me that there must be lots of other ladies similar to my wife being kind of in their 30s plus, um, haven't had kids and couldn't afford a personal trainer, which is the yeah. best part of a mortgage payment uh, every single month <laughs> if you're doing two or three sessions a week. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, there must be something here whereby we can offer the same benefits of that personal training, i.e. like help and guidance regarding nutrition and accountability and getting measurements mm. and all that sort of thing that you'd get with a one-to-one -one PT. But then, it's like proper coaching, learning how to lift and everything. But but by delivering those sessions in small groups rather than one-to-one, -one, we're able to sort of bring that price right down, uh, that cost right down. And so there wasn't anything around, like we kind of called it group personal training. And um, that was where the idea came from. We sat on it for about a year, 18 months, because even though it was a great idea, we were still very much in our careers and in your 30s with big mortgage payments and two young children, it just seemed like a massive risk. But we were pretty certain that it could work out. And um, I think easier, not easier, but just because of everything my mum, my wife had gone through, the the pain of that was uh was close to home and so it just made sense to us to focus yeah. on that specific niche so sorry just remind me when this was again so that was actually 2012 london olympics um so she, she had that whilst at the same time I was going through my own challenges, being just overweight, you know, stressed out with work yeah, yeah. and all the normal stuff. Uh, so we had decided that we wanted to do something within fitness, but right. that was that was the thing that uh, really grabbed us. And a lot of the stuff that I was reading at the time as well was about just focusing on a, a very specific niche rather than being a specialist rather than generalist yeah and so um that was the niche that we decided to focus on fantastic so yeah 20, 2012 was when it was launched in a local park with a handful of ladies using groupon offers to try and get people through the door it was pretty brutal in the first six months or so i was going to say surely as soon as you put it on the groupon website and launched it in the park everything must have been plain sailing from that point right all sunshine and rainbows <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just such a steep learning curve and mm. uh it, it it was so the thing is for the group on offers at the time I don't, I don't even know if people still do them but not in this niche this space anyway but at, at the time i remember offering it was something like 10 sessions for 10 pounds yeah and of that 10 pounds I would make about four pounds after Groupon had taken taken oh, their wow. cut. So four pounds per person for ten sessions. It was not. It was not a money earner. Not at all. Four pounds per person for ten sessions. So that was forty yes. pence per session. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's not bad going. <laughs> and, and this is, as I say, this is a brand new career starting right at the bottom. So it's a steep learning curve just with regards to just the, the coaching side of it. But then also, as nice as it was to be, like, it felt liberating actually getting rid of the yeah the designer suits and uh, and swapping it for you know like a tracksuit. And as nice as it was, as enjoy as it was very enjoyable doing something completely different and getting a different kind of uh, buzz from it. Yeah. It was much more meaningful, but at the same time, it was not enough to pay the bills each month. No no, that's knew. fascinating, isn't it? Because you I, you hear a lot, right? Um, there's a lot of rhetoric going around, isn't there? Uh, and I hear it a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm in my, I've just turned 50. So I, I, you, things tend to go in cycles, I think. And you, you hear things sort of coming around the block. And one of the things that uh, seems to be a, a common theme is, you know, find a job that you'll love and you'll never have to work another day. Of your <laughs> I life knew you were going to say that. I knew it's you were going to say it. It's the Steve Jobs <laughs> quote taken out of context, you know, find your mm. passion. And so for a little while, it felt like everybody that I knew wanted to become a yoga instructor or something, you know, something like mm -hmm. that. This is my passion. But here you are, you're actually doing it, right? You've. Uh, I, I don't know if you... Well, you did it because to help your wife. I, I don't. I don't think this was your passion at the time. Maybe I don't know. Um, but it's it's interesting, isn't it? That um, that making money out of something like this not always that straightforward. No, that's right. And I, I guess it was a newfound passion of mine because because I realised that I needed to change my own health. Mm. Uh, I needed to lose weight. I needed to get fit and healthy for my kids as much as anything else. Mm. And so I just started getting into it and quite enjoying it. Mm. So um, it, it was it it was something that I was into. Yeah, I wouldn't go maybe not go as far as to say I was like absolutely like passionate about it. It's not the sort of thing that I'd been into since I was eighteen. Like you know, your mm. stereotypical PT is that kind of insta model that's in their 20s that's like totally ripped and mm. like, that, that definitely wasn't me like just starting out because 2012 i guess i was like yeah mid 30s then like, you know, 35 um so and and you're, you're absolutely right with regards to then earning money because i i see it with a lot of the the French potential franchisees that I speak to that come to us, they are frustrated personal trainers that mm. have struggled to make money in this industry. Right. It's it's renowned for being an industry whereby unsociable hours. Yes. Because you're training people when they're available, which is early in the morning, yep. late in the evening when they mm -hmm. finish work, and. It, there's, there's, you, it's one of those where you are quite literally trading your time for money, your own time. So it's capped. The amount that you can earn is capped. If you're just doing like one-to-one -one training, even if you work every morning, every evening, um, you're still going to be hitting a ceiling with regards to your earnings. And that's that's frustrating. And that's one of the things that like I recognized and it's one of the reasons that we've set up the, again the franchise model yeah. uh, to help a lot of frustrated self-employed personal trainers to transition from that self-employed 
mindset into that business owner mindset i had the business owner mindset from day one partly because i'd already been a business owner for a company a financial services company where we had 32 staff and Mm. like everything that kind of comes comes with that so i already i already had that mentality but i still have to start at the bottom and i still have to trade my time for money when we first started like the business uh, yeah. yeah in 2012 so looking back on it then uh ricky you've obviously built this your, your franchise is going strong it's going well you're on target for your 50 to 50 so there's obviously a lot of things you've learned along the way and i'm i'm kind of curious if you if you could go back and have a conversation with yourself in 2012 when it all started and give yourself some advice what would you say to yourself it would be to to learn the marketing side of the business in this particular industry asap like just i i thought that i already had enough experience behind me when it came to marketing to be able to um, make a success of it from day one without any issues but that was not the case as I say I was relying on Groupon offers initially and so um, one of the things that's enabled us to grow in a way whereby things are predictable is paid advertising so when I say marketing I'm specifically yeah. talking about paid advertising Yeah. and again this is so for us it was like social media face, mainly Facebook uh, but it wasn't until about nine months, 12 months into it that then I realized that if something didn't change soon, that this thing was going to just fold. Yeah. And all of those naysayers were going to be proved correct. So I knew that I knew that something had to change. And um, I just threw myself into then learning about uh, Facebook marketing specifically. Right. And then once I'd mastered that, it was like, this this there's no limit to this now because it was predictable and so i see a lot of people they focus so much on organic growth or you know referrals organic growth and all that kind of thing and there is definitely a place for that but it's not predictable Mm. and the thing is with paid advertising is that once you once you get your head around just the numbers so if i get this many leads and um, get this many applications and this many calls and gonna convert this many into sales and then all of a sudden you know that for every pound you put in you're going to get this much out and it becomes predictable yeah and when it's predictable um it's scalable yeah so um yeah if it was right back at the beginning it would be like learn paid advertising straight away yeah that's a really interesting point isn't it because it's a marketing's that one of those things you either you either you know it or you don't you're either in marketing or you're not and um and I, it's it always amazes me, you know, I'm involved in e-commerce quite a lot. How many people come to me and say, listen, I'm going to do this business. Um, I'm going to launch this business. And I'm like, well, great. Well, how, how are we going to get people to the website? And they've not thought, they just think as soon as they build the website, people will come. And it's like, mm-hmm. it, it worked like that in 2004, dude. It does not work like that in 2023. And it, it's, um, and, and thinking that through is so, so important, isn't it? And so... So the franchise, and are you pleased with how it's going? Is it? Is it? Um, I mean, you say it's on track. Uh, it, I'm kind of curious. How different is it? I suppose from that model 
uh, in 2012 where you're in the park. Is it still the same? Are you in the park? Are you in gyms? How, how's it grown and how's it evolved? Yeah, so every single one of our locations is, has its own premises and uh, we insist on that. There's no more um, uh, doing it in parks. Uh, mm. that, was, that was just to kind of get things going. Um, but saying that, I would say... No, it's in all honesty, it's changed quite a lot. And like I said earlier, the first five years were about us testing things out. And if it worked, we went with it. And if it didn't, then we, we, we binned it. And so um, each of our, we, the, way, the way that we, and this is what we say to our franchisees, the way that we kind of uh, split the business up, just to make it easy to understand. We've got marketing, which we've just been talking about. Yeah. We take care of the marketing for each of our franchisees centrally. So we do that side of it, the paid advertising. Like I said earlier, because I recognized how important that part of it was in order mm. for it to, to, to demonstrate predictable growth. And having realized that 90 odd percent of uh, personal trainers, they joined the industry because they wanted to deliver training. They wanted to yeah. coach clients. They wanted to help them lose weight. They did not join the industry to become marketers. They yeah. do not want to learn yeah. marketing. And so it was, if we're going to, if we're going to offer um, these kind of guarantees with regards to this is how quickly you can grow, you can get to this amount by this date, we've got to take control of that marketing. So, yeah. Marketing, sales, and then the delivery. And so we take care of the marketing. We then help them with regards to the sales with scripts and training and mm. all that kind of thing. But they're qualified leads. And it's just having a conversation with someone over the phone that's already reached yeah. out that's within the target niche. And having a conversation with them and then converting them into our initial 28-day program. And then the delivery is the fun bit. The delivery is the bit that um, they join the industry for. So we've got these three parts to the business and um, we're actually now looking at um, ways of centralizing the sales element as well. Mm. So we, we would even take care of the sales for them. So all they've got to do is just deliver sessions then. Um, <laughs> which, which becomes a nice yeah. easy thing. That's, that's a pretty, that's, yeah. that's the fun part. That's why they join the industry and uh, the other bits are the things that they don't enjoy mm. so much. But that's why you do franchises, right? This is, exactly, this yeah. is the strength of a franchise is actually, yes. they, you've, you've got a proven system. Uh, you figured, yes. you figured a lot of the steps out. You can centralize a whole bunch of stuff, which takes a lot of the pain away. Um, yes. And so you can actually focus on doing what you do well. And so there's there's a lot of safety, uh, I think, in the franchise uh, model, really. And, yeah. and this is why people do do them. Um, and so I'm kind of curious that you're doing this. You've got your 18 uh, franchises. You, you figured out the whole franchising thing. You've got people joining. So it sounds like if I'm a PT, it sounds like a bit of a no brainer, which is which is lovely and wonderful. But how is this? um business impacted your life your personal life you and your wife obviously there were reasons why you started it um in the early days but you know throughout the last 10 years how has that impacted your, your sort of your personal life so the first the first okay the first two years 
were so incredibly difficult um it's hard to describe because it was one of those matt whereby we were constantly on the phone to mortgage lender credit card companies mm-hmm. uh, trying to renegotiate terms um to young kids that want stuff we couldn't afford to get them stuff holidays couldn't afford to go on holiday um there was an, an enormous amount of sacrifice at a time in our lives whereby lots of our friends were you know they're in careers you know mid thirties yeah. in your careers and like they're settled and enjoying life in corporate world and the holidays that came with it and the sick pay and all of those sorts of things and you know we didn't have any of that so it was unbelievably testing and I'm not going to sit here and say that we did not consider, I did not consider throwing the towel in and mm. just just going back to financial services, which was that uh, safety net, I guess. Um, but we, 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 we had those thoughts at different times, me and my wife, and so we supported each other. She, she, she's yeah. a massive, massive support uh, when I had those negative thoughts um and then and then we kind of broke the back of it after two years and you know started to earn okay money then where we could actually afford to you know go go on a holiday or something um but it wasn't it wasn't plain sailing and then we got to the five-year mark and do you know what and this wasn't part of the original plan that things were working so well with regards to the systems and the people that we had in place to enable the business to run without us being there every day, that we moved to Spain. We moved to Marbella for three years. Wow. It was awesome. Mm. And we we did that um, from 2017 into 2020. And that is when we grew from one location to six locations so we our first (laughs) five franchises were set up while we were living in marbella wow and so we were taking it in turns to you know it's like budget airlines fly back to the uk when we needed to when they were opening a lot of the stuff that we were doing things like the marketing it could be done remotely so um that was great fun but Mm. then we we're kind of testing it out really and then when we got to six locations we kind of realized that actually in order for us to 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 get it to the 50 and in order for us to offer the the amount of support that these guys are going to be needing we need to move, move back to the uk and so all of a sudden it became less of a lifestyle type business to right we're committed to this goal now yeah we've got to get back we yeah. you know the lifestyle was amazing but we're both very ambitious and yeah we we decided to move back so we made that decision in december 2019 we then decided because of the lease we had on the property out there that we would move back march 2020 so everything's all booked all removals and everything 
and then COVID kicked in yeah. February March 2020 and uh, uh, and and actually if we had not already made the decision to move back we would have had to have moved back yeah anyway because of COVID and again just the support that was needed for each of our franchisees yeah so we ended up getting that like the last flight out of Marbella at the Malaga at the time um because then all flights were cancelled for ages so we we're quite fortunate there and then we navigated through that tricky uh, couple of years with lockdowns out of lockdown in lockdown but luckily because we were able to pivot and then switch to zoom and uh, really go overboard with the support we we're offering our members we were able to keep all of our locations open. Not one of our locations wow. closed. Oh, well um, done. That's great. Even even coming out of COVID. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was really pleasing because mm. there were players much bigger than us, Matt, that, that oh, there were. Yeah, I mean, gyms, it, it was catastrophic to the fitness industry, it wasn't it? And so the yeah. fact that you can, at the end of it, sit there and say, we didn't have to close a location, I think is a great testimony, mm. really, and, 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 mm. and stoked for you, man. That's awesome. Testing, very, very, <laughs> no doubt, very testing, not easy at all. And I think, do you know, I think the worst thing about it was the uncertainty. Mm. Without a doubt, that was the worst thing. If, if someone had said at the outset, this is how it's going to play out. They're going to be going to be locked down this long, and then you're going to come out of lockdown. Then we're going to be locked down again, and this is how it's going to work over the next two years. Yeah, you can plan around it. Yeah, but when you when it's just kind of going on week after week after week, and then month mm. after month, and you're still locked down, and we've got you know the franchisees are looking for us for help and support, yeah. and and you just don't know. You're trying to guess. You're trying to predict what the moves are by the government, and you just couldn't. Do no, it. you can't. And that was the thing that was, I would say, the most challenging was that uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah, I bet it was. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we've have had many conversations about what happened, obviously, in COVID. We've all had many conversations about what happened in, in COVID, haven't we, really? But, yeah. um, and whilst I think there were things that our government did well, one of the things that I, I didn't think was done particularly well was, um, no one stood up and said, guys, this is going to be hard for the next year or two. It was all yeah. very, well, we're going to try this now and, and hopefully, and everybody kind of went through thinking, well, maybe it'll be over next week. And no one sort of really yes. stood up and said, actually, guys, this is going to be tough and it's going to be tough for a year. Mm -hmm. And it was a real shame because I think, um, I think we needed that kind of leadership, if I'm honest with you. We needed that kind of, uh, like you say, we needed that understanding of, of what was happening. Mm. So you you obviously make it through COVID, um, and you're now actively uh, growing the business again. You're on track for your fifty for fifty. When you uh, there's a couple of statements you made at the start of that that I just wanted to come back on. One was um, you're in your mid thirties. Your friends are in their careers. They're doing very different things to you and your wife and your kids. Mm -hmm. Did your friendship group change uh, with the business? It's, it's, it has as it's grown, i.e. there are new acquaintances and guys that I would consider friends as mm. we've become more successful within this 
specific industry. But the the friends that they're basically oh, school friends. So uh, those guys are still around. Mm. But the guys that I was friends with from within the financial services industry, given that that was an industry that I was in for like 16 years. Mm. Yeah, that that completely changed. That's, um, mm. yeah, they're not really friends now. It's interesting, isn't it? And the reason I ask is, and again, I've seen this time after time, is when your life and the, the, the lifestyle of your friends changes for whatever reason, yours your lifestyle gets worse and then it gets better. Sometimes those friendship groups change, um, and it, it it really intrigues me how how that works. Um, and I'm again, if you could go back in time, I suppose, and give yourself. Uh, well, let me put it to you this way: You've got a young couple coming to see you. They're in their early thirties, and they think they're coming to you and saying, "Ricky, listen, uh, we, we really want to do this business. Don't know if it's going to work. I'm probably going to start out by throwing it on Groupon because <laughs> I've just checked the website is still up." Um, what what advice would you give to them as a couple not necessarily as a business but as a couple how do you how do you navigate those challenges as a married couple in the early years one of the i, I came across this this graph it, do you know what it was it was actually something that i discovered when i was doing the the pt Mm. the training the coaching and it's this um I'm not sure who actually put it together but it's called the uh the, the stages of behavioral change or something like that and there's five key stages to it and it was relevant to the people that were looking to come and lose weight for example insofar as you start off with this uninformed optimism mm. You know, at the beginning of any new, any change, any, and it is quite exciting, whether it's a new job, a new career, losing weight, whatever it is, any major change, and you, you, you're so happy that you've made this decision, but you don't really know what it entails. Yeah. So, for example, those that were looking to lose weight, we're talking at the outset about their goals and they want to lose that first stone in the first month and so they're really excited about what that's going to look like a month later when they can fit into those clothes that are a size smaller two sizes smaller and then reality kicks in after a couple of weeks and they realize that they're having to eat things that perhaps um they're not so fond of or give up more sacrifice some of the things along yeah. the way and that uh, they're just discovering new routines and there's like some mindset shifts and it's actually quite uncomfortable and challenging. And so this, this, all of this is 100% relevant to, for us as a couple going through a change in career mm. as well. Insofar as at first we had this uninformed optimism where it's like we've made the decision now, we've been sitting on it for mm. 12, 18 months, we've, we're doing it now. This is going to be exciting. We're going to be successful, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you realize that oh, man, these group on offers were making hardly any money here. And this is really hard work. And so you then get this informed pessimism because you're now aware 
of all of uh, the challenges that are involved and the things that you've got to learn and how hard it is and it becomes quite pessimistic and then this 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 graph it continues to go down and the rock bottom moment is called the valley of despair and that point is the point when most people give up so if it's someone that's got some ambitious long-term weight loss goals that's the point where all of a sudden summer kicks in holiday kicks in it's an all-inclusive and they throw everything out they lose momentum and they go yeah. back to the way things were and so they they give up and if it's in business that is it you could say it's the shiny object syndrome whereby they see then something else certainly shiny object syndrome with social media is a nightmare because people are then chasing yeah. the next thing and yeah. it's much easier to give up on the thing that's really hard and to get that feeling again of that optimism because that's that's the that's the warm fuzzy feeling that feels really nice yeah. that uninformed optimism and they chase that feeling again i want to feel like that again and so they start with a brand new idea and then all of it, and then the cycle continues we didn't and maybe it was partly down to like i mentioned earlier and I, there are a lot of people that thought certainly me was having a midlife crisis changing careers and thought i was totally irresponsible with two young children and there are a lot of naysayers i'm not sure exactly what it was uh but we pushed through that valley of despair mm -hmm. up and then all of a sudden that graph goes up again to informed optimism because we, we've learned all the lessons. This is the bit that I was talking about earlier with regards to throwing myself into the marketing, absorbing marketing, yeah. paid advertising, learning all about it, becoming an absolute master at it, an expert at it. All of a sudden, I evolved from being, I transitioned from being this personal trainer to a marketer. And there was a massive mindset shift. And then you're up and away, and then you kind of get to the bit where we are now. Now, that cycle of change is it, whenever you you make that decision to make a major change to your life that is a predictable cycle that is proven it's tried it's tested that graph is the thing that we show our members at the beginning so they're mm. at least aware of it and it's also the graph that um, we show our franchisees you are going to go through these stages we're here to support you along the way, mm. but don't. So when you hit that informed pessimism and you're approaching that valley of despair, we're here for you. We'll help you through it. Mm. And so, but that, because that's a horrible place to be. Um, and I guess from our point of view as franchisors, we try and minimize the time that they're in that space for. But then as a couple, it's challenging. You're challenging each other then. As yeah. I say, I, we were lucky because we kind of felt it at different times and we were able to support mm. each other at different times. But at least if you're aware of that cycle of change, then you can just prepare for it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's super powerful. I like that. I'm, I, 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 I'm going to have to get a copy of that graph. Uh, Ricky, I think that's um, it's super powerful. Yeah, it's really good. 
Yeah, really, really interesting. And I love the the fact that you said that most people um, give up when it's hard to chase that feeling of when it was really, you know, that uh, uninformed optimism feeling. Because you can see that in your own life, can't you? You can go, yeah, I've seen that. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Ah, brilliant. Let me uh, turn quickly, if I can, uh, in the dying minutes, to the question box. <laughs> so... We'll see whereabouts on the graph we are. <laughs> okay, we, start off, okay. we start off with the, the uninformed optimism. Uh, we get slightly more <laughs> nervous as it goes along. So I'm just going to go through these. You're going to say stop. And wherever we say stop, that'll be the question that we asked. Stop. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I just want you to know you said stop. Uh, this was your choice, right? Oh, I'm um, nervous so, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just hoping um, that it's not too bad. So, question for you Which close relative do you like the least and why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should get. I should give you a pass, actually, because that's quite a. Just in case they ever listen to the podcast. Well, no, this is what I'm thinking. I was going to share this, but then all of a sudden I'm thinking I can't share this if I answer that question. <laughs> that's such a good question. It's like please we're, we're, let me have a pass. I'll be happy to answer it off camera when you're not recording. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the thing about it is, everybody listening to the podcast was they just sort of inched a little bit closer to listening to the answer because they all know in their heads who their answer to this question would be. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like, there's no way I'd answer this on a podcast. I thought that was great. Fantastic. Well, listen, Ricky, it's been great uh, talking to you, man. Really, really enjoyed it. Really insightful. If people want to reach out to you, if they want to connect, if they want to find out more about uh, Fitter Body Ladies, if people want to reach out and just connect with you personally, what's the best way to do with that? I would say LinkedIn's probably the best way. Uh, just, yeah, find me on there, Ricky Knight, or under Fitter Body Ladies franchise. Um, so, yeah, on there. I've only just started recently getting into LinkedIn, actually, and I uh, yeah. quite like it. So, yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best. We've got the website, which is fitterbodyladies.com. Um, so, yeah, they're probably the two best channels, I'd say. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Ricky, listen, it's been an absolute treat, man. Uh, super enjoyed the conversation and hearing about what you're doing with uh, the franchise. Love the fact it's growing. I wish you every success. I, I'm looking forward. Maybe when you hit the 50 at 50, you should come back on the show and say, man, we did the 50 and 50 and we'll uh, we'll do like a, a recap episode. That'll be quite fun um, and, and talk about that. But um, yeah, it's been an absolute blast and uh, all the best, my friend. Thanks, really man. appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that was Ricky. What a great conversation that was, eh? Now, if you want, to, obviously, uh, the show notes and links, like I say, you can get those at pushtobemore.com. Com. Also, a big shout out to today's show sponsor, Orion Media. If you're wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, or you're thinking maybe I should give this a bit of a shot, which you probably should, check out orionmedia.com uh, and be sure to follow Push To Be More wherever you get your podcast from because we've got yet more great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them. And in case no one has told you yet today, you are awesome.
Yes, you are. It's just a burden you have to bear. Created awesome. Ricky has to bear it. I've got to bear it. And you've got to bear it as well. Now, Push To Be More is produced by Aurea Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible. Sadaf Bainon, Estella Robin, and Tanya Hutzlack. Our theme music was written by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, the show notes, the transcript, they're all on the website, pushtobemore.com. Com. That's it from me. That's it from Ricky. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.